And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms and restrictions apply. The Athletic. The only way to score is, of course, to play uh, with a hand break off. I'm Ian Stone. This is Handbrake Off, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic. Joining me on the pod are The Athletic's own Amy Lawrence. She's one of our own. She's one of our own. Amy Lawrence. She's one of our own. Morning, Amy. (laughs) Hello. That's unexpected. (laughs) Yeah, I know. What am I supposed to do? Like, politely applaud you back. Politely applaud. That'd be nice. am Am I supposed to give you my shirt? I think we can uh, <laughs> I should, not do that. That would be appropriate. That would be weird. No, the other person... That would be uh, weird. By the way, you just heard, uh, James McNicholas is also one of our own, but it doesn't scan as well, James. You know. No, but have I to will have... take my top off, Ian, if you like, <laughs> if it helps you. <laughs> Let's just switch the zoom off now, all right? Uh, uh, you, you'd have to be James McNicholas. James McNicholas, right? It would have to be. And, I'll take uh, it. I, I think uh, Ian Stone, Stone, Stone is a given, really, uh, unless Amy objects, because <laughs> Ian Wright has that and no one else, okay? And Amy is the song police, as we know. Anyway, <laughs> we're talking the win over Villa, international caps for our players. Uh, before we do that, James has written a piece this week about celebrations. We will have a fuller chat about that in a short while. But we thought we'll get our panellists to celebrate their achievements from the weekend like they've just won the Champions League. Uh, James, what have you achieved this weekend? Have you achieved much? It doesn't have to be much, by the way. Well, I'm in Marseille, actually. I went to watch uh, Marseille versus Nice last night. And by the way, I hope neither Ashley Young, Gabriel Bonlahor or... uh, uh, Ruben Neves ever attend a game at the Stad Velodrome, they will be very upset at the way in which that crowd celebrate. I mean, flares going off, chanting. They were very, yeah. very into their big victory over Nice. I'm not sure how that would go down. But anyway, because I'm away for the weekend, I've mainly been working, but in the evenings I've been a bit loose. And I've got a lot of admin done, guys. A lot of personal Yay! admin. Nice Thank work. you very much. Thank you. The shirt has actually come off now. It's going round and round my head. Um, delighted to have done that. So nice yeah, work. it's been a big weekend. What about you guys? Good. Amy, what have we done this weekend? We've done much. Um, you got your internet to work for the moment. I mean, I think yeah. that's hey. not too um, Yeah, but for how long? Boo. Um, <laughs> I'd, I'd say probably my biggest achievement was not spontaneously combusting. Uh, just for living in Highbury, which um, <laughs> because uh, uh, I, it's one of those things where they, you know, and they ask people to kind of like go on Room 101 or whatever, but I could rant probably for the length of the whole podcast about uh, the traffic in Vinsbury Park, which um, uh, I had to go and pick up some the kids from a, a birthday party last night. And it what should have taken 15 minutes was gridlock for an hour and a half. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I did think I might actually explode from within because it's been like this for weeks and uh, I managed to, to actually be here this morning so I would consider that 
A great achievement. Nice work. That is a great achievement. You know, I mean, essentially, James, I'm with you. I sort of did some admin and I kept my shit together, essentially. I did. Jesus, we've got interesting lives. Our achievements are two admins and one (laughs) traffic. (laughs) Every day I get home and I look at my missus and she looks at me and we goes, my God, we made it through another day. Shall we drink heavily to celebrate and make tomorrow more difficult? I mean, that's essentially how it is. And... um, yeah, I feel like uh, here I am on Monday morning feeling pretty chipper and uh, uh, I'll take that. Um, I know they they were pretty dull, all three, but uh, uh, do you know what? That's our lives, all right? Just live your own life. Listener, listener. please, <laughs> please, listener, send in some notable achievements for this weekend they won't be able to, to put us in the shade. Anyone who's passed an exam, well done. Saka. Oh, he's found the net. He adjusted his footing. It wasn't an easy shot to put away, but he beats his former teammate Martinez and sends the Arsenal fans into raptures. Villanil Arsenal won an excellent uh, performance. Saka got the only goal of the game. By the way, it's Arsenal's 2000th Premier League goal. And can I just say, I couldn't give a monkeys. I couldn't give a single solitary monkeys that we scored 2000 Premier League goal, uh, which is the third after United and Liverpool. It's this nonsense about the Premier League and about how that's when football started. We've scored a lot more than 2000 goals. That was just that one won this game. I'm assuming that you concur, guys, by the way, about this. Yeah, I mean, I don't see why it's any more important, really, than the 1999th or indeed the next one. Um, I, but I was delighted with it as a a goal and a winning goal in what was yeah. a really great result for Arsenal. Uh, cool. Well, let's talk about Bukayo Saka then first. Um, he's getting kicked around. There was some, uh, you could see uh, uh, how much uh, it meant to him scoring that goal. I love that charge in his body when he hit the ball past Martinez. And uh, I got the same feeling uh, as well. Uh, but he was complaining um, at halftime and after the game. He spoke to the referee, uh, Stephen Gerrard, responded amongst others he said we were too rough so Arsenal didn't commit any fouls listen it's part of the game the last time I checked it wasn't it wasn't a non-contact sport I think tackles are allowed physicality is allowed aggression is allowed um Amy I'll come to you first first of all fouls aren't allowed in the game and do you think these attitudes it's sort of it's a little bit dinosaur the way that people talk about this isn't it absolutely I mean What's strange about it as well, when you think dinosaur, is those of us who are even maybe prehistoric historic will remember the laws of the game being changed to ban the tackle from behind because Marco Van Basten, who was one of the great players of all time and certainly of his generation, ended his career prematurely because he'd been hacked around in Serie A, targeted and smashed to pieces and he could no longer play um, when he should have had probably another three, four, five years ahead of him. And... You know, in that era, football responded and adjusted. And you know what? Football is fine without the tackle from behind. And I think it's a pity that there is this this perception of sort of like Anglo-Saxon sort of hardness that means you're supposed to take it on whichever body part gets smashed in uh, as part of the game because, it's you know, fouls are not a part of the game. Uh, we all understand there can be accidental, you know, catching of people and so on. But the problem is that this attitude has gone on for far too long and really began. And 
again, Stoney, you will remember when Arsenal were perpetrators in all of this. You know, you can go back to the 70s and, and Arsenal had their own pretty hard players like Peter Storey who yeah. w- could give it with the best of them in, in that generation. Every and, club and had an enforcer, didn't they, really? Absolutely. And, you know, that was part of the game. Interesting how many players from that generation have had to go on to have hip and knee replacements or other joints problems, basically all of them. So, yeah, I, I find it frustrating because it really began, I think, when Arsenal were at the vanguard of of uh, overseas players coming in and management and changing perceptions of what could work in English football and bringing a new level of sophistication and technical accomplishment that was considered by some, <laughs> bizarrely, um, you know, almost <laughs> there to be sniffed at, you know, rather than seen as an improvement. It was like, how dare you come here and want to want to change our game? Play football. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It, it how is, dare you? You're right. You're right. It but, is ridiculous. And by the way, that I think that, that when Arsene Wenger turned up at Arsenal in the 90s, and uh, the way that he played football, there's a direct link there to yes. how well England did in the Euros in 2021. I genuinely uh, uh, feel that. I, I watch the football they play. That is miles away from the English football I used to watch back in the 70s and 80s. And, but there's, um, also, there's also a direct link between, um, you know, t- Saka getting uh, targeted every week with very heavy tackles, uh, rotational fouling. And what happened to Diaby, Eduardo, Aaron Ramsey? Well, I was going to say this to you, James. I mean, in the end, there was that stuff, wasn't there, that, you know, we talk about Tony Pulis and Sam Allardyce and those other managers getting their faces and that sort of stuff. And I'm and I don't I'm not saying that Steven Gerrard is saying that the that that uh, Villa should have done the same thing. There were a couple of tackles that I thought were a little bit you know, Tyrone Mings, I think, particularly. But Saka does get it a lot, but he's one of these guys that takes players on, right? Yeah, and I think he's one of the best players in the league. And unfortunately, I'm not saying it's right, but sometimes that kind of treatment comes with that. I wouldn't expect Steven Gerrard to condemn what his players were doing because, frankly, it appeared tactical. It appeared something that, you know, he would have been well aware of. The the way in which the fouling on him was kind of rotated, different individuals... You know, never the same guy more than three times to avoid picking up uh, multiple bookings. It appeared part of a strategy, and I'm not I'm not necessarily laying that at uh, Gerard's door because players manage these things on the field too to themselves to a certain extent. But clearly, we're seeing it week in week out the treatment Saka is getting, and I just think Arsenal. You know, Mikel Arteta spoke about it a bit after the game. Saka spoke about it after the game, showing I thought remarkable maturity. He spoke about speaking to the referee and how this is his game. He likes to take people on, but part of that is that he requires protection. I think we all need to be banging this drum because, um, you know, sooner or later he's going to get hurt by one of these. And he was a bit lucky, I think, with one or two at Villa Park. Uh, I don't think it's going to go anywhere. I think if you look at, you know, a player like, I think it's Wilfred Zaha who gets fouled most in the Premier League and it's partly a consequence of his style. But I also think it's a consequence of refereeing attitudes. And I think Zaha is someone who suffered a bit from this perception among officials that maybe he goes to ground easy or he makes the most of things. And we don't want that perception to build around 
Bukayo Saka because that's when it becomes dangerous and that's when players end up on it with a sort of disproportionate degree of treatment. So yeah, I'm, I'm pleased Arteta's talking about it. I'm pleased Saka himself's talking about it and I'm pleased we're talking about it because if left you know, to its own devices, it could become quite dangerous for him as a player at a crucial stage in his career. Well, I just think for for the younger listeners, you won't know this. George Best left the game at 27, uh, partly because of the sort of treatment he was getting. He got kicked pretty much every week. And we certainly don't want to see that with Bukayo Saka or other uh, talented young players uh, who are coming through. But I think you're right, James. We'll keep banging the drum about that one. Uh, In the meantime, though, uh, the game itself, no Martinelli, uh, no Aaron Ramsdale. Um, Let's talk about Bern Leno then. I mean, he didn't have a huge amount to do, Amy. He What he did do, he uh, he did it well. Uh, Art's written a really nice piece for The Athletic about how the fact that uh, Bernd Leno came in and it was sort of seamless, really. Uh, he made one save in the 92nd uh, or 93rd minute or whatever it was. And by the way, uh, just a point, Pepe needs slapping around the head for giving away that free kick. I, I really almost lost my mind watching that game. I thought, if we lose this because of you, and I thought, well, nothing will happen. But I'm just saying. Um, he did do well. And Amy, we talk about the togetherness and the unity. You had that interview with uh, Mikel Arteta when he talked about unity. There's a concrete example there. Bert Leno surrounded by his teammates and how happy they look for him. And he looked happy as well. And I thought... This is Arsenal at the moment, isn't it? There is a real togetherness, and I think that was a fine example of it. Well, it's a testament to Bernd Leno, really, that he's taken a, a, an unexpected demotion so professionally. Uh, it can't have been easy for him this season. I don't think he necessarily saw it coming, um, no. that someone was going to come in, you know, uh, the season had already started and take his place instantly. But he has really got on with it in an exemplary fashion and shown exactly the kind of character that Arteta values. Um, I remember talking to a few of the guys around the Invincibles team a, a, a while ago when I was working on a book about how Arsene dealt with the players who don't play very much. And it's it's a really fascinating part of management because obviously, even though Arteta's been lucky enough to largely play with the same 11 more or less for once it's settled in um, in recent weeks it's how you keep those players who might not be playing but might suddenly need to come in and help you feeling not just motivated but part of it that is an absolutely critical part of club management and international management by the way I would suggest by the way I think Gareth Southgate did a very good job in the summer with the same thing I think that the the players themselves valued how arson every day would take time for them and make them feel important and remind them of the value of their work and how having them there for when they're needed makes them as integral to this squad as anybody else. And I suspect that there's a lot going on behind the scenes to make sure, you know, from the staff, but also from the other players that every single person who's currently in that first team is feeling valued and ready. And we see it, I think, James is going to chat about this later with someone like Rob Holding, for example. You know, that readiness to come in and play at your absolute max and to have a great personality um, going in every day to training is is a credit to the players, but also to the atmosphere that is within the group. Yeah. I mean, Rob, I mean, you you do have a bit of love for Rob Holding, uh, 
James. He came on, and he and he does seem to be. I'm not saying he's happy with the job he's doing at the moment, but I think it's pretty obvious what the first team is at the Arsenal, and and the other players. They're obviously training with these guys every day. They're um, they spend their working week with them, so there's a lot of togetherness there. But they they seem genuinely um, delighted for the whole group when things work out and delighted that they're managing to do to contribute just a little bit. Yeah, I mean, look, the result was great uh, on Saturday, but those scenes at full time were really special, I thought. I loved everyone <coughs> running to Leno. You could see, even though he's been out of the team, they were really determined to make him feel part of the group, delight for him to have that clean sheet. Rob Holding, who Amy mentioned, I think has played a really key role this season. I mean, there's been a number of games where He's come on, we've switched to five at the back, we've managed to see out big, big wins, particularly away in the Midlands. I think he came on at Leicester, I think he came on at Wolves, I think he came on at Villa the other day. <laughs> and everything I hear behind the scenes suggests that uh, he's just been a really important part of the group. You know, I think he's cited by lots of people as kind of the perfect teammate, really, always supporting other people, always there for younger players to offer advice, always positive. And I think that's so valuable, even from guys who aren't starting, maybe particularly from guys who aren't starting. Like you say, I mean, that squad management is a big part of the game. And I think we're benefiting, we're seeing the benefit of Arsenal having a slightly smaller squad at the present time. You think it wasn't long ago, Mikel Arteta literally had too many players to even register. Um, It's very difficult to make people feel involved, connected, part of the project where they can't even be registered to play. At this point, pretty much everyone has some kind of value and there is a core group there of you know, 14, 15 players who are all absolutely bought in. Um, and I was delighted for Leno because it's been a really difficult season and much like Rob Holding, you know, nobody's had a bad word to say about his conduct this season, his attitude, his application. Yeah. I think he, he showed even in brief moments, I mean, he made the save in the 93rd minute, but there was one in the first half where he came and collected a ball, came off the to- over the top of his centre half it was a really impressive piece of goalkeeping. I think he showed that he's an excellent player. He lost his place in the Germany squad this week to Kevin Trapp. He wasn't named in the squad. And I do wonder if that might you know, be what pushes him towards a departure in the summer. Because I think, frankly, he's too good to not play. I think as good as Ramsdale's been, I don't think we should forget what Leno did for us in, in his time in the first team. And I think he's still going to be a very good goalkeeper somewhere not too long from now. And what about the uh, fans singing a song about uh, Mikel Arteta? Is this is this stuff important, James? I mean, I mean, is it important to Mikel Arteta? And and does it sort of just a is it just another example of uh, of how together we all feel that the manager is obviously a massive part of that? I think it's significant in terms of kind of interpreting Arteta's standing among the fan base. I mean, he came into the club with uh, a lot of popularity, obviously, as a former player, and he was saying all the right things. He provided that initial improvement, and Arsenal won the FA Cup. But, you know, when we had that tricky spell following that, and a few things didn't work out, the Willian signing, there was a terrible run of results leading into that winter. You know, I think something was broken a little bit uh, in the connection between him and a lot of fans at that point. And I have sensed a kind of reluctance to take him to the collective bosom. You know, I think a lot of the affection that's been poured out has been for the team, for the players, for the academy boys, not so much for the man at the helm. Um, That does seem to be shifting. 
he downplayed it in his post-match press conference. But I think, although he tries to not give very much away, I, I would be staggered if he wasn't pleased by that. I mean, he's a human being after all. Everybody wants to be loved. He, he deflects all the time. He's like, it's about the players. It's not about me. But I'm sure it will have meant a lot to him. And I think I think it's a, a, a positive sign. And again, just a reflection of, to use that buzzword again, the unity that's been built. Um, and ultimately, it's a commendation of his work. I mean, Arsenal have put together a really good run. A lot of people were looking at this fixture off the back of the Liverpool game and thinking, will they slip up? You know, when they last lost to United, I think they went and lost to Everton in the next game in the league. Oh, sorry, City it was the last loss. They did yeah. it in the next four after that. So, you know, there has been a tendency in this team so for when something goes wrong, for there to be a bit of a wobble or a bit of a time to stabilise, which you'd expect with young players, to come out and get the win and to play like they did in the first half when they were so dominating and so in control. I think a bit of fatigue set in after half-time was really impressive. And like I say, a commendation of the work Arteta's been doing. We're on the home straight now. And the great thing is it feels like we go on to the home straight together with everybody on board fans players alike amy you know i'm i'm prone to sort of uh, getting a bit carried away with it all um uh, you're an old hand at this as well uh how, how are you feeling where's the hopeometer at the moment with you with this team can i be honest um i'm not a great sleeper and uh on saturday night sunday morning at one stage in the uh, insomnia experience, I grabbed a, an envelope and a pencil uh, and spent about an hour doing lots of, you know, mathematical projections. <laughs> I'm not proud of it. Um, but, you know, I felt like I needed to really understand what was going on here. And basically, I established, I did a, a, a how many points in the last five years and in the last 10 years just to make sure we had it all covered that that you need to get fourth but equally how many points do you need to beat fifth place because it's not always the same thing sometimes the team in fourth actually has quite a big gap over the team in fifth anyway to cut a long story short it looks like 70 points is roughly what you need maybe 71 and usually to make sure that you're beating the team in fifth you know 68 to 69 God, is this boring already? Am I boring? No, no, no. This is um, brilliant. No, I did the I same know. thing in my head. Oh, I'm so glad it wasn't just me. It's that time of the season, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I then, did, I, then did a, I then did a, a, a list of, uh, with all the contenders, um, how many points uh, are needed to get to 70 uh, and and how, mu uh, how much um, essentially room for error there is to get to 70. And Arsenal are still in a very favourable position. I must say, and I think, uh, but I mean, obviously that is dependent on if anybody has an unbelievable run and doesn't drop any kind of the standard, you know, sort of you, you win some, you lose some, you draw some kind of scenario. But yeah, it, yeah it, it, it's definitely doable. Let's just put it that way. I don't want to get overconfident. But just before we leave the Arteta song um, debate, uh, I had a tweet from Aspen Psychology Services saying, I like the Arteta song, but as much as I love the players, it references two Emery signings. I personally think Aaron at the back, Martin in attack would be more appropriate. Can this be raised at the next board meeting, please? <laughs> 
I love that you think we have a board meeting to decide who, who should be who should be part of the songs. But, I, but we'll I, certainly talk to them, whoever we need to talk to. Well, yes. I, I, I mean, I'd like to think that we could, could comprise some kind of uh, uh, you know board. committee that uh, yeah. you know uh, you know we could have all sorts of subcommittees out there, people who want to chip in. But um, I do think he raises a valuable point. And um, it's interesting. Yeah, I, I, someone else was saying to me. Because the lyrics, I think, are Kieran at the back, Gabby in attack. Is exactly. that right? Exactly, yes. But somebody said it doesn't feel right to single out two players ah, in a sort of uh, a a generalised song or a song point. about Arteta in that way. And I think it was my mate Ricky who said something like, you know, solid at the back, attack, 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 or something oh, yes. like that. Oh, it's not yes. bad. It feels more egalitarian, you know? Either that or we do it on rotation, really. I think <laughs> it's, it's really... that, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, Everyone gets so... a go. I, no, look, I, I like that. In the spirit of unity, I think I think we probably ought to be doing that and not singling out players. Can I just ask a question of both of you? Did you what? How many points do we end up with, by the way, uh, in your projections? I didn't do how many points we ended up with. I did what Arsenal need right. and how I, many they I, can afford to drop to get there. I I I, I placed it as a magic seven, seventy points, and that meant Arsenal needed need sixteen and have fourteen to essentially throw away to get there. I, I, I conservatively actually predicted Arsenal to finish with 70 points. Mm-hmm. And that was quite conservative. That was me being like, you know, they'll drop points here and there. I think Unai got to 70 yeah. in his first season he and did. didn't make the top Missed four. Missed out by a point. That was, a, oh. that was an un, unusually high. Yeah. But what I would say game. is if we get to 70, I don't Crystal think Palace, I'll have many complaints. You know, like... <laughs> Given where we were, if we get to 70 points and we miss out on, I don't know, by a point or goal difference or something like that. But it depends who you're missing out to, let's be honest here, James. Well, there's only one team I'm worried about, <laughs> genuinely. I mean, Spurs got a good result yesterday. Very good result. Yeah. But equally, I think, I think are... Spurs thought that Arsenal got a good result on Saturday. So I think there's a, you know, we're all exactly. feeling similarly about I did about do a tweet. Another. They got quite a bit of traction, actually, talking about the fact that it's that sort of result against Villa that disheartens your rivals a little bit because because uh, opposing fans would look at a game away at Villa and think, you know what, they might drop points there. And the fact that we didn't, I think that was a, a, a made it a very, very good result, which is why, by the way, we celebrated like we did. And I want to come on to this, uh, James. You wrote a piece about the Celebration Police. Um, I think you call them the enforcers of ennui, which I just absolutely love as a phrase. Uh, you're talking about Ruben Neves, Gabby Abon Lahore, Ashley Young. Is it not the fact that the reason that we're celebrating, I know that they think of us as Arsenal and we should be winning titles and all the rest of it, but we've been quite a long way off for quite some time. So as a coming team to go to Villa and win 1-0 and maintain that positivity around the club, that was a big win. And, and... Why can't we celebrate big wins? This is this part of football, isn't it? I mean, I, I I'm loving how much we're celebrating at the moment. Yeah, I mean, I think I talk about this in the piece, but I think in football, understandably, there's kind of a, a bit of a fixation on the ultimate goal. You know, celebrate when you get to the final destination of where you want to be. But that just seems quite joyless to me. I think every step along the journey it has value, especially when you're heading in the right direction. And the experience of football is something you that, that's week by week, it's game by game. And if you can't extract some measure of joy, of delight, of pleasure from that, then I really don't see the point. I, I sort of can't abide people trying to trample on others' joy. And I understand yeah. that if you've 
lost a game and you're watching a team celebrate, especially in your stadium, that is a painful experience and you're going to feel bitter about that. But let's be clear, that's all that is. And it doesn't make Arsenal any less entitled to celebrate their victory and their And progress. by the way, doesn't that, isn't that showing respect to Aston Villa, Amy? The fact that we celebrated there because we got a 1-0 win, that shows what a hard game it is and, and respect to them for giving us a tough game. Do we care? No, no, we don't. But I'm just saying, <laughs> I absolutely don't. Gabby Abbon Lahore, by the way, who was moaning about us celebrating, who then, a couple of months ago, there was some video of him came out when Steven Gerrard celebrated the first Villa win. And the way he celebrated was much like the way our players celebrated on Saturday. But I agree with James, right? It's joyless, isn't it? The way these people talk about the game. Yeah, but I just think, if anything, it's quite convenient fuel to the... Um, Arsenal unity scenario where I think that, you know, the club, the players, the management, the coaching staff are doing a really good job at looking after themselves, taking it very carefully game by game. They know how much each game means in terms of the aspiration they have and where they want to get to. Uh, and if they want to enjoy that, they're, they're enjoying the steps along the way and they're enjoying the fact that probably for a lot of them, they really, really feel good about each other and the team that they're playing for. I mean, when Martin Odegaard turns around the other day and he has played in a lot of different places and a lot of different experiences and says in terms of the um, ambiance that he's never experienced anything like this before, that tells you something. These guys really like one another. They're really feeling something special happening and they're enjoying that. Um, and I think they should have the freedom to do whatever the hell they want as long as they're not actually hurting anybody else, which is a general philosophy for life I, I would have. By the way, on the subject of censorship, I just wanted to <laughs> put on record that I was censored by The Athletic because I wrote an extended paragraph about um, the time in 2014 when a pigeon appeared to defecate in Ashley Young's mouth from on high <laughs> and suggested that his words on Saturday was some sort of um, delayed regurgitation. Um, and my editors at The Athletic saw fit to remove this. But I just wanted this opportunity to, to uh, reference it again and put it on record. Um, hopefully they won't listen to this. But uh, I was going to say, you know, this is a podcast there. for The Athletic, James, by the way. Uh, my editors just... don't listen to this. Hope, hope, hopefully they would listen to it and see the error of their ways. It sounds yeah. like a fine piece of writing, James. I was furious, to be honest. I might put it out <laughs> on social media. <laughs> um, yeah, hopefully Ashley Young is listening. I don't know why he would, but uh, you never know. Maybe he just came across it. Oh, you should listen to these guys. They know what they're on about. Anyway, uh, one deal with the Arsenal. Love I love the sound of that. Um, uh, we've, uh, yeah, we enjoyed it very much. Thank you, Ashley, Gabby and Gerard and whoever else didn't like it. Uh, this is uh, Handbrake Off, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favourite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the icon of vacations. Icon of the seas. Arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry Bahamas. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. We were a bit uh, with the handbrake at time. Ian Stone here with Amy Lawrence and James McNicholas uh, on handbreak off. Uh, four players got selected, four Arsenal players got selected for Gareth Southgate's England squad. Uh, we're not particularly Anglo-centric uh, on here, but it was. It, it, it takes us back to the days when we used to have quite a few in the squad. Uh, there was quite a period when we didn't have any at all. Aaron Ramsdale is injured, actually, uh, but the other three are going. Ben White. Bukayo Saka and Emil Smith Rowe. Um, James, do you do you care about this? I mean, I I, I am an England fan. Uh, I would say Arsenal comes first, but I am an England fan, and I want them to do well. And I'm proud of the boys that they've got. Um, I'm just happy for them. I think when you see Emil Smith Rowe's face getting his cap wherever it was out in some I can't remember actually, but I, but how much it meant to him. And it and it is a big moment for them, and it and it maybe increases their stature a little bit. Do you think it helps their club form? I don't know if it helps their club form, but I know what you mean about uh, it meaning a lot to them. And actually, I think there is something quite endearing about that in a game which is so, you know, commercial and financial. The purity, in some ways, of kind of Emil Smith Rowe or Aaron Ramsdale sort of holding their cloth England cap and what it means to them. Uh, I think that's quite sweet and quite endearing. And I, I know I'm an England fan. I watch England. I want England to do well. And so I'd rather watch an England team with Arsenal players in it. Um, 
I have to say, in this case, I'm really pleased for Ben White. I think he's long overdue a call-up this season. He was with them at the Euros, hasn't been back in the squad since. For me, he is far ahead of some of his competitors in terms of performance. You know, if you look at Harry McGuire's performances. Oh, there you go. Um, you cough, I'll just say it. And um, uh, Tyrone Mings hasn't had a great season at Aston Villa. No. You know, um, Connor Cody, very valued member of the group. I'm not sure he's a better footballer than Ben White. And so I'm really, I'm not digging those guys out, but I'm just happy to see him get what he deserves. I think it's a real compliment to Emil Smith-Rowe, frankly, that he's in the squad because... He's not played a great deal. He's been ill. He's had COVID. He's been out the side. And yet he's still in there, which I think shows how highly they think of him within that setup. You know, Jaden Sancho, I think, was left out. He's been playing every week for United, playing quite well. So, yeah, I am pleased with him. I, I, listen, I, I wouldn't mind them getting the rest as well. I'm very happy when the players stay at home and recuperate. But uh, if I'm going to watch an England side, I'd rather watch one with, with Arsenal players in it. I think it... it- it's also quite telling that, I mean, when you look broadly across the squad, um, you know, the international caps are coming all over the place. And I think it's only Lacazette, really, from the starting 11, who's not really a current full international. And that's a testament to the progress that's been going on. And I think that when you, there was a period where, you know, we always used to say in the old days that, you know, Arsene Wenger used to take a player and make them better. And then there was a period where, you could have questions and say, how you know, it was it was worrisome how many players were actually improving when they were coming to Arsenal. And it seemed that that aspect had begun to, to flounder a little bit. But you're looking at players coming in and earning international recognition since joining Arsenal because they're showcasing how good they are and they're showcasing that they're maybe better than people thought they were in this team. Uh, I'm really pleased in particular also for... Um, the two Brazilian Gabriels to be playing to get full call ups for Brazil, which is an enormous honour. And you talk about how much it means getting the cloth cap for the England boys, but for a Brazilian player to play for the Seleção is absolutely, you know, stupendous. It's huge, uh, and I and I think particularly they've both been wonderful this season in in different ways, and uh, it's really really something I think for the whole group to take a lot from in terms of the direction of traffic, that there's all these uh, international call-ups coming for players who have been striving for it for a while. Yeah, I think that was a great moment on Wednesday night when Alison Becker and uh, Fabinho, I think it was, were talking to uh, Martinelli after the game. And you think, yeah, 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 they recognise that talent. And James, you touched on it, the rest... Really, it would it would be nice for them to have a rest, but on the other hand, they've got a bit of momentum, haven't they? These guys and and they're young; they should be able to keep playing. I mean, we you see players of other teams; they're playing two games a week on a regular basis. Our guys aren't, so maybe just for them to keep playing, that they'll get a rest in the summer. Yeah, that's true, and I think I actually think international football has helped some of these young players. I mean, the way Bukayo Saka flourished uh, for most of Euro 2020. Obviously, he had that traumatic moment in the final, but I think that was actually a really overall positive experience in his development. I think going to that international stage, a global stage, really, the Euros, um, and shining like he did was kind of a, a, a kind of coming out for him. And uh, he, I think, came back to Arsenal, even d- despite the disappointment of the final, 
in some respects, a better player and a more mature player. So, yeah, I, I think it can be really helpful, can be beneficial. Ultimately, they want to be there and you have to respect that. And uh, But I think it's a good point Amy makes about the international caps coming more freely. I mean, it might just be kind of my recollection or my perspective, but I feel like in the last four years or so, there have been a couple of international tournaments where the Arsenal options were relatively thin on the ground. You know, the Arsenal interest wasn't quite as we expect. I remember in kind of Arsene Wenger's heyday, it felt like the entire squad went off to the Euros or the World Cup. And it's not quite been like that of late. But when you go through the team now, I mean, they are all current internationals, most of them playing fairly regularly for their for their national side. So I think that's definitely a, a positive indication. And I think it tells you that the people making these selections, making these decisions, see see something good happening at Arsenal. Excellent. Uh, all right, let's have a song uh, to finish. <laughs> it's a couple of obvious ones I thought of. Amy, I'll come to you first. Let's have a song. From- well, I'm. I'm. My song is inspired by Bakayo and the need for protection. Uh, it's um, Massive Attack and Tracy Thorne and a wonderful song called Protection. That's a great tune. That is a great tune. Hopefully, the uh, PGMOL are listening. <laughs> Are there regular listeners <laughs> yeah, to this bet. podcast? And to lots of football comment, are they? Let's be fair. They take it all on board and they adjust accordingly. James, what about you? Uh, I also was inspired by Saka. I noticed, by the way, David Ornstein had a story in his column this morning about the, the first talks taking place about a potential new contract um, and about Arsenal having a, an extension option on his existing contract for 2023, which I thought was uh, positive news for the club all round. Um, and I just went for Starboy by the weekend because he is and remains our Starboy. He's an absolutely outstanding footballer. Look after him, for goodness sake. Um, I'm having the Beastie Boys. You've got to fight for your right to partay. you got to fight for your right to party. Because <laughs> I just... Uh, I, I just... You know what? Let's enjoy it. I have. I have... I haven't felt a connection like this in quite some time. And part of that is the fact that at the end of the game, when those guys are celebrating, they're celebrating like fans. And so you feel that connection with them. That's it for the uh, uh, and Break It Off podcast. Thanks to James. Thanks to Amy. Uh, thanks to Abby, our producer as well. And uh, we'll see you soon. 